Welcome to my first gay bar. My name is Belinda Carroll. I'm a comic and writer and vocalist and so on. And today I have one of my best friends in comedy on the show. I'm so excited. We've uh, toured together. We've done festivals together. Uh, she's come to my festival a ton. Uh, I book her on everything. Uh, and I'm so excited to have her here. She's uh, got a Latina Christmas special that's going to be off Broadway this year uh, and has done it before. Uh, and she's done so many things. We'll get into all of it. Please welcome to my first gay bar, Sandra Ball. Yay! Bell in the ball. You look gorgeous, of course, Thank as you. always. You're like, thank, thank you, you. Mm-hmm, girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> salud, salud with the coffee. No, I'm in LA now. I need the, I need the, I need the ego stroke. That's. <laughs> oh come on. <laughs> I'm like, in LA right now. You go to Santa Monica and you go, oh, everybody's pretty here. That's weird. And fake. You're a real beauty. That's thank fake. You. We're, uh, you know, the thing is, is that it's all, it feels like this whole city is just like a bunch of people that were like, I'm the prettiest in my city. I'll go to LA now. <laughs> well, I'm the prettiest in my city. And like, I'm the prettiest one. That's okay. Um, no, this is like, I'm an influence. They were like, I'm an influencer. I can be an actor. You're like, no. Mm, yeah. 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 When people find out how long I've been doing comedy, though, it's pretty funny. Because they're like, so you just like wanted to do comedy? And I'm like, yeah, I didn't even plan on being an actor. I just wanted to do comedy. Seriously, I was the other way around. Oh, really? Yeah, I went to I went to a school for musical theater. I, oh, yeah. I went to university for like four years for acting class, like intense acting class. And I want to be an actor, an actor and a singer. First, I wanted to, I, I'm, well, I'm still a singer, I'm still. But when I moved to New York, when I moved to Boston with this woman that I loved, that I was dating, the comedy just like, fell on my lap. It's this whole story. Remember? You don't know my story? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've told me before. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, and I'm like, oh, I, I get to write and do my own thing without waiting around for a script. Exactly. That was the reason that I became a comic versus a singer, because I was uh, singing and whatever, but then you have to depend on the band, and you have to depend on the people, and you have to depend on, you know, you're trying to coordinate five people's schedules and stuff. It's harder than having an improv troupe, <laughs> and then you only have... <laughs> Yes, it and then is. you only have like you only have like you know one person that can play the bass, which is like the hardest. One well, of the you hardest know, you know, I was in bands all throughout high school. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had my yeah, own band yeah. in high school. I had three bands, and then in Boston, I had an eight-piece horn band. But yeah, yeah. It, this is another reason why I was like comedy only me, not try to wrangle seven guys, eight yeah. guys. Yeah. Um, no, and you still play keyboards beautifully, and you uh, and you play that a lot at the end of your sets, which I, I super enjoy as a as a uh, way to do a show, just because it it brings some dynamics to comedy. Because I feel like with comedy, and I'm kind of dealing with this right now. I was just talking to a um, comic in Scotland actually before this, and uh, and I really want to go to Edinburgh, and I have like a whole I have a I've been writing a one woman show for like ever, uh, <laughs> uh, but I really want to do we all yeah. I know, I know. But I really do want to do one person show and do it in Edinburgh because I think it would be really, I think it'd be a really fun time. I think it'd be really challenging and all that stuff too, but I think it'd be really fun to do. Um, and I wish I had your ability to play keyboards, but I don't. I just never, I grew up in a family where I didn't, my, my art was not nurtured. Let's put it that way. So I had to like, learn. I, I have to learn as I go kind of thing, you know? Yeah. My, my, my family, thankfully was very, but my family was very supportive locally. Like my dad play plays like keyboards and accordion and, and guitar by ear. My mother sang oh, we all wow. played something. We all, I play by ear too, but locally, 
when I said, I'm going to go and do it, they're like, oh, no. I was like, that's what I'm going to major in. Oh, no. Oh, really? I was like, what? They're like, you could stay here in Laredo. I was like, no. Yeah, did you come out into Laredo? Is that where you no. came out? No. Like, no. <laughs> no. I wasn't even out through college, dude. I was like so like in my own, like not even sexual, not at all, nothing. This was like the 80s. I was nothing. And, you know, I went to a Catholic school my whole life. So I kind of am grateful that I wasn't because I think I would have flunked out because I would have been all like, girls. I already was all like, you know, well, back in the day, we didn't have any gay icon. We didn't have any gay representation. So for me, I was thinking about this the other day about what to talk about in your show. But I was like, why did I think my only choices were to marry a man and become a nun? There was no like, I'll just be a single person. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. all I saw was the women who were single still wanted a boyfriend or a husband. And I was like, well, I don't want that. I guess I'm going to be a nun. I guess people who are nuns feel like I do, where we don't <laughs> want men at all. So shit, I'm going to be a nun. Oh, yeah. So I was like, okay. And then I went to college and I just was in acting class I, at UT Austin. I, I was majored in acting. Then I moved to New York City. <laughs> what? Yeah. That's you didn't when come I out until after college when you were in New York. Like in, I was like 23 or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm kind of lucky that I grew up in Portland because like I grew up, when I grew up, I spent my early years on Hawthorne and 36, which is where our family house was. And so Hawthorne is kind of like a hotbed for uh, queer culture. And back then it was like all hippie culture. And then every once in a while you'd hear like a rumor about somebody and they'd be like, she wears jeans a lot or whatever. And, then, you know, just to like, that's like the code for, you know. Yeah. And uh, and so I kind of grew up. And so when I came out, there was instantly like, a you know, a, a gay community. I didn't have to go anywhere. And I felt really lucky for that. Oh, we did not have, we were like whispered and he's gay and, and she's the gay one of the town and horrible things said about gay yeah. people. I, the, I was bullied throughout high school because I was such a nerd still uh -huh. like oh you still are I was very nerdy <laughs> I was really like to my you know not to myself but just kind of and the biggest insult you could uh they could give you was calling you like a lesbian and I was called a lesbian for a year I was like what the fuck why why is that even an insult but that was a huge insult it's being called a lesbian and then when I had my bands and like, like in the 10th grade I was just was like I just in a band and then I became like the most popular person okay and then I just developed a sense of humor because of the bullying. To me, my mother was like, just tell him back. Just tell, I'm like, I can't, I'm not saying what a nice person I am, but I couldn't insult you back. I felt worse because I could really, you know, we're comics. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Don't, yeah. Don't mess with, sure. a, with like a word ninja. Like I, I could slice you and insult you if I really, I mean, we're comics. But the thing is, is that like, if I, if I, insult people and I learned this in high school too if I insult people back then I insult them on something that ruins their life that's you know what I'm what saying I mean? and it made me feel <laughs> like gonna... ruin everything you think about yourself you don't want me to do things. that's what I'm yeah. saying the few times that I lashed back out because it was horrible the, the bullying in this catholic school I felt worse I felt like no come on so I would turn it around with comedy like I would just like make a joke and they were so dumb they didn't get that I was insulting them <laughs> I just like, and then I found my own little, a couple of nerds and we hung out together. And then my friend, Robert, who is now like the Dean of an architecture school in Santa Fe somewhere is amazing. Um, wow. He's the one that was like, you gotta be in a band. We should get you in a band. I know a girl from another high school and I know this musician. And we just rehearsed in my driveway, my carport. 
Oh, wow. Like, endless nights of like rehearsing stuff. I'm sure the neighborhood was like, shut up. But we were really good though. We oh, still came out today maybe though, Belinda. Maybe they're when like, I, oh, hey, the band's playing tonight. Well, maybe. we did play around. When I go back to Laredo, uh, some of people have stayed there and I still jam out with the bass player. He has a band. So I'll just walk into the bar he's playing at and just jam out. Yeah, we still do. <laughs> that's rad. Yeah, oh, that's super cool. Yeah. So um, so when you came out in New York, that was 1990, right? How did your family react? Well, it took a minute because I, I thought if I'm not an active lesbian, I'm not a lesbian. <laughs> like, well, I'm not sleeping with anybody. Does that make me still gay? Whatever. Um, it took a while. And I, I went, um, my mom was all like, oh, it's because of your father, because of his drinking. I didn't hug you enough. I'm like, what? She freaked out. And then <laughs> this was later. No, this was later till I was in Boston. I didn't come out. I came out to myself and other people in New York. And then when I moved, I came out to my family. My sister and brother were fine. My dad was all like, it's because of that girl, Sandy, that girl, Sandy, who used to come over all the time. And I'm like, I did have a crush on her, but it wasn't because of her. He's like, I knew it. It's because of Sandy. And I'm like, Sandy. Is, is Sandy gay? Yes. Okay, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Sandy. Who knows fact, now? Who knows now? Who knows if she is now? Oh my God, well, I have to have the fan underneath me because do you see my hair blowing? Because damn the hot flashes. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Um, I have not experienced that yet and I am not looking forward to it. Um, I, yeah, I don't know which is worse, the actual flow or the flashes. <laughs> Every time it's hot, I'm like, oh, is it now? It's now it's happening. So I have to call you. Yeah, call me <laughs> so we can vent. I'll be like, I'm hot now. What's happening? Mm. But yeah, when I went to New York, I exper I was like, no one's here. I'm a woman of the world. I'm going to do this. I'm just going to experiment around. I'm going to do my thing. And uh, yeah, it was it was actually nice. So what was the first what was the first bar you went to? It was in New York. And I and I researched and researched because it wasn't the cubby hole and it wasn't Henrietta. It was a bar called Crazy Nannies. Okay. Pink outside, I remember. It was my, that was my first bar. Like I thought, this is amazing. It was in the village. What were and, you expecting when you went into, okay. So you'd never been to a gay bar before. No. And what did you, cause I mean, this is obviously before the internet. So what, what were you right. expecting to run into? Like, what were you? Hot girls. <laughs> hot girls. And, and there were hot girls. I was like, oh, and I just felt like, oh, thank God. Like I, this is a, just a relief. Plus, New York was New York. I mean, you could do whatever the hell you want in New York. It was just a whole, yeah. it was like lesbian Disneyland, you know? I mean, it, it was like, you could just do whatever you want. Still a lot of danger though. I remember one time where I had a button that said like lesbian or something, because it was very much like, we're here, we're queer, get used oh, to yeah, it. Yeah, it was yeah. very political and very, you know, people are coming out. Melissa Etheridge was just kind of starting her thing on the cover of The Advocate, whatever. So uh, I had a button and I'm on the subway and one guy was standing there, I didn't notice. And then he looks at me and I like, was just whatever. And he looks at my button and he goes, that's a dyke, a fucking dyke. And he starts coming after me. Like on the next stop, the doors open and I freaking ran and he chased me. So that was weird. That was like, I had, wow, I just remembered that memory just now because it was like, my, I was like, what, my button? I mean, I'm wearing Carpe Dykem now, very proudly. Thank you, it's my t-shirt. 
but I was trying to find a little button that said something like queer or gay or something. Yeah. And he yeah. chased me out of the subway station. Oh, no, I had that almost the same as exact experience on the bus one time. And I was in downtown Portland and I was hugging my ex. My ex and I had, had like a breakup and then we were having like a coffee to like be friends or whatever. And so it was my ex, Tammy. And uh, she was getting off and she's like pretty, you know, masculine in appearance. And I was wearing like a, I was wearing like a lace dress. Like I was like super femme. And of course I you were. Of course you were. Yeah, I mean, but, uh, but I, I hugged her. And then uh, when I got off, the guy behind me was just like, what are you afraid of men and whatever. And I turned around and I was like, what are you even talking about? And then he just like went out, went out after me. And I was like, oh, anyway, it was a whole thing. But yeah, and so that stuff used to happen all the time. I remember walking down the street and hearing all sorts of slurs if I was holding a girl's hand or you know, a person's hand, because like no one I've ever dated identifies as a girl now, but. Um... <laughs> You're so stupid. So true, though. Um, but uh, but yeah. So you know, I'm holding a person's hand or whatever, and you hear like all sorts of stuff. So that's why I like the re reclamation of the word dyke, like your carpe dykem. Carpe dyke. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, dyke march and all that stuff is because of the reclamation. And I feel like a lot of people, although we need to remember, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people don't remember the early 90s that way because you know katie lane was just coming out was just coming out before ellen like before i mean i don't mean to take away from ellen because ellen did go on the cover time or whatever but um but the same thing is like it's like there were people that or there were people that did that before her that there led were the people for us to do it you know we both know well now that our friends who were yeah. like a handful of of when i moved to boston i, I used to go to provincetown a lot there were a handful of very brave comedians, lesbian comics uh -huh. out. And I was like, wow, what a beautiful thing. And I was like, I, I, I used to dream and, and fantasize of a world where we could just be out and just like have characters like on TV and like be out because going to P-Town only with the out lesbian comics was like, like a little tiny thing. Oasis, um, just like a little. Yes, like a little yeah. oasis. Where, I mean, that's before I even started my comedy career. But I was like, wow, wouldn't it be great if we had our own magazines, which we did, but I wasn't aware of we had so many. Yeah. Or our own shows or, our, you know, our own comedy stuff. And it didn't have to be like just in P-Town. This was before internet also, like way before. Oh, sure, yeah. We're the only place, we like were in not Michigan. Uh, I hate to bring up Michigan because it's such a hotbed issue, but and it's over now, but like Michigan and P-Town and like Fire Island and San Francisco in general. Well, music uh, and things like music that were just kind of, yeah, just like women who started music festivals for, for us to go and have an oasis. And you know, for a certain extent, I just came back from Big Mouth Girl Festival and uh, I, the year before I did another festival, which is also in kind of an oasis to go and just be yeah. among your own it's we still have that and it's still it's still tough out there but nothing like what i went through in the 90s but thankfully i was in new york but still we had to watch our back you know oh, no for sure yeah um uh, thankfully all the all the lesbian comics who were just like screw it i'm going to be myself one thing i will say is that these lesbian comics paved the way for ellen no but that's what i'm saying yeah i mean there's there was there was a, a plethora susan westenhofer being one of them um who, who really <clears throat> well, Delia Delaria, yeah, for sure. Uh, Elvira Kurt is another one. Um, Karen. Uh huh. Karen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Karen Williams. Karen and Williams. So, uh, Mimi Gonzalez. 
Michelle Ballin. Oh, Meg Michelle Ballin. Sala. She's Jan Carr. That's another one. I'm forgetting somebody. I'm sorry if I'm forgetting anyone, but uh, it was that's who we went to see. In yeah. Kate Clinton. In oh, Kate Clinton. Yeah, 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 for sure. I haven't seen her around in a long time. But um, all those people are, uh, you know. Uh, hello, we're forgetting like the go the god the godmother of them all. Uh, oh my god, your landlord. Not anymore. I'm, I'm in. I'm in I, her, what's her name? Robin Tyler. Robin Tyler. Yes, your landlord. She'd <laughs> <laughs> love that. Um, but, uh, yes, no, amazing. Uh, Robbie, sorry, Robin. Yeah, and, and so Robin started performing in like 1959 in New York, and um, when she was out, like she was out. And it was way before Stonewall. It was like 10 years before Stonewall. So she started, I think, in like the 50s in like Toronto. She told me the story like 90 times. I don't know why I can't remember. But she, she came out in um, uh, Canada. And so she was from a little town in Canada. She went to the larger town in Canada. And then she ended up in New York. And so, and she went to New York and like with a, like a suitcase and like got rescued by a, a butch named Ed who, who took her in and like, and like allowed her to have, like allowed them to have a, a uh, you know, space to grow and, and stuff and started performing the bars in New York. And so, and so that kind of thing is just like, you know, we, uh, uh, everybody, all the kids, like all the like 20 year olds and stuff, like 23 year olds, there's a person that interviewed me right before I left Portland, who is 23 and an amazing like journalist and, and stuff, fully grown person, um, but doesn't know about our history, like almost at all. This is actually one of the reasons of doing this podcast is because, uh, we were talking and I was bringing up certain things and then they were like, oh, I had no idea that that even happened. Like, right. um, like Katie Lang and Melissa Etheridge, like Katie Lang came out on the stage of March on Washington because Melissa Etheridge had said, had, had come out a couple years ago and was like, you know, dip your toe in the water's fine. And then Katie Lang came out at March on Washington. But a lot of people, and that was like four years before Ellen, but like people don't talk about it. Hey everybody, and thank you for listening to my first gay bar. This short break is brought to you by Amazon. I've become an Amazon influencer. So if you check out the storefront at Amazon, uh, the link is in the description of this podcast, then you will be able to shop through my storefront and every time you do I get a little commission so if you want to support the show without changing anything about your Amazon shopping experience you can just go through the link shop like normal and then I get a couple percents uh, if you're curious about what I buy on Amazon I have a curated list of things that I enjoy that are on Amazon and I'm going to be doing product reviews and things like that so check that out and uh, shop at Belinda Comedy thank you Not it's important I need to come I out <laughs> I just did a project in New York where me and my very good friend Deborah Barsha, who is uh, an amazing composer and pianist and has has been like the the piano conductor of like the Donna Summer musical, the Tina Turner musical. She's I forget the exact title. I'm sorry, Deborah. Um, but anyway, What's she love got to do with that. Deborah Barsha is amazing. Um, yeah, her and I were called the elders. Oh, let We're me tell you, young people. I okay, but know. I don't. You know how I am. I've known you forever. I don't. I. I don't feel my age or see age or see whatever. However, the younger people who were in their twenties—that's a very nice angle. You look beautiful like that. Oh, thanks. People who are listening, she just kind of leaned in the camera, and the sunlight hit her. <laughs> That's right, and she was like, "Hey, girl, hey." Anyway, so these younger people in their twenties—I think the the oldest younger person was like twenty-nine or something. And I'm back in New York and we're, we're doing this project. 
And they were like, because of the elders. Oh, got to respect the elders. And I'm thinking, why is it plural? It's only Deborah. <laughs> you know? And then I'm like, wait a minute. Am I part of the elders? She goes, dude, we're the elders. <sighs> and, and they were asking us all these questions about New York City and when I was there and, and what gay bars I went to and, and how was it like? And I was like talking. And as I'm talking, I'm going, oh, yeah, because they don't know. Because I am an elder, Belinda. Yeah that yeah. I didn't even feel like it. And they were like, well, you don't even look at it. And I'm like, well, whatever. I, I will embrace that if I have some information. And then I actually stepped into my own shoes. And I said, you know, when I first started comedy, even, well, I started comedy in Boston, but not seriously. When I moved here to LA in 2000, 2001, they were like, don't say you're Latina and don't say you're lesbian. We still couldn't be out. Even when I did the Latin Divas of Comedy in 2007, I had to explain, yeah, I had to explain my girlfriend, you know, as in partner, friend, not my friend, who's my, who's a girl, I still, and so I said, you know, I'm one of the people that you are on my shoulders, and I'm on somebody else's shoulders, but I helped pave the way too. comics yeah. who are not famous, people who we in the trenches, who we still, I, I did not, I did not uh, compromise on myself. I mean, I could have gotten so many jobs and so many things. If I had just said that I was like not Latina, which I don't know how you cannot tell, but I'm whatever, nobody can. <laughs> and not the and person not, has a heavy accent for not being yeah, Latina. <laughs> and not, oh my God, people think I, some, some person on YouTube was like, this fat slop called me fat, first of all. I'm like, what? Uh, faking the accent. Like I faked the accent on the comedy <laughs> special, really? Whatever, shut up. Anyway, so they said, you know, had I not been Latina, had I not been gay, had I not said anything, I would have gotten so many jobs if I had not talked about my life. And they were like, can you not talk about it? I was like, no, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And to this day, I still, I don't compromise that. I don't, I don't hide that. Why? No. It's like I helped pave the way too with my yeah. own little freaking, you know, yeah. machete paving the way for all y'all to be all free and clear. Just like, just like. Melissa Etheridge paved the way, just like Robin Tyler paved the way, just like, you know, Karen Williams paved the way, Mimi Gonzalez paved the way, just people like that who, who bravely did their thing and didn't compromise. And people keep doing that. And it's important, thank you for this podcast, for people to know where they came from. No, I think that too. And like, I, for me, I'm the same way. Like, I was like, you know, I've thought about that a lot where I'm like, if I would have came down here when I was 20 and just pretended to be straight, then who knows what my career would look like? You know what I mean? But yeah. like, then I'm compromising my entire being in order to kowtow to, you know, the industry or now, whatever. I used, to be, I used to be judgmental in the 90s of people who weren't out because I knew my struggle was hard and I was out. I was in New York and why? And there was this big movement to out celebrities. And oh, as yeah. a matter of fact, when you were walking down Broadway, like on 50 like on Columbus Circle, I remember there was this like a lot of plywood because there was construction going on, but they had plastered um, uh, posters of celebrities and would saying lesbian, gay, gay, and blah, 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 who are out. And Jodie Foster was one of them. And I- I remember that, yeah. I defended Jodie Foster till the end because I'm like, you guys don't know why she's not out. You guys don't know. I defended her, but I didn't defend the other people, which is why I have to say I was judgy. But I, right. I sort of understood her because I was like, you don't understand an assassin and, you know, he killed, he tried to kill the president. Uh, she's scared. And years have passed and I'm going, you don't know somebody's struggle. Why am I being judgy? You don't know somebody's internal uh, fear or struggle or whatever they're going through. Well, especially that like, out loud and proud. Because... And now I'm like, chill out. No, people come out when they come out and nobody has to be 
the freaking front of the line. There are some people who are the ones that are in the front of the line and some people who aren't. And that's okay. But I used to be real like, I can't believe. And now I'm like, mm, I'm not. Well, the thing is, is that like, especially at that time, like it was, it was pretty dangerous to come out. Um, and especially for people that had, you know, public careers, because as soon as you came out, I mean, people, even with Melissa Etheridge and Katie, which you would think that they would know. Yeah. Right, you, <laughs> you, know, you viewing them uh, with their eyes. Yeah, um, yeah. You still like they, people, I remember people uh, burned Melissa Etheridge's uh, records, yeah. like an effigy, you know, and like they had like a, like a, in one city, they have like a bonfire of like, you know, of like, of like different uh, queer artists that had come out in that time, like to, to protest yeah. them coming out. And so it's just like, oh, all of a sudden it's just all over the place. It's like, no, it's always been all over the place, you know? And so, uh, and so the, the movement toward more people being out and more media representation, the fact that we're getting hired and you can be out um, in the industry and that kind of thing and not experience, I mean, of course, experience some of that, but not experience the whole of, of being, you know, completely blacklisted because you've come out is just amazing to me. Like, that's just, you know, it's just so wonderful to experience TV and like see real people. Like that's the big movement now. Oh, uh, yes. I'm sure you probably know this, you know, um, auditioning and stuff like you see, like, um, they want people that are older. They want people that are, are different sizes. They want people that are different yeah. orientations. They want people that are different gender identities, like the whole jam, you know? And I mean, so that's changing, just yeah. Really great. yeah. But, but here's the deal that I just thought of something right now. I think what back in the day and even now, I guess back then I, for me, I could speak for myself. I was relying on famous people to come out. So it would be easier for me to say, Oh, well, see, Queen Latifah is is lesbian. Oh, see, mm -hmm. uh, Melissa Etheridge is lesbian. So it'd be easier for me to come out to whoever. When, why do we rely on, on fame? I mean, it certainly is easier to have representation. But the example that you have in your own community really affects the young people of the community. Mm -hmm. Like, had I known somebody personally who was a, like a regular lesbian just living her life, I would have been like, oh, I, that's me too. Like, it's not just that person or, or everybody in the, in the community saying that's the guy and, 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 and hating on that person. You see what I'm saying? I didn't, I didn't have any representation growing up in Laredo. I mean, well, the nuns, <laughs> I mean, then I, no, but somebody who's, who's just a regular lesbian living her life. Uh, that's who makes more of an impact. Certainly, yes, celebrities. And I used to be very much like, I can't believe so-and-so. And now I'm like, listen, nobody's business. Yeah, but the thing is, is that like, I feel like with celebrities, it's kind of like they're, especially if they're a household name, like Jodie Foster, you know, that kind of thing. It's it's more of a, of a, like this successful person who's had a lot of great experiences in their life. And then also my ring light just went sideways, uh, that has had a lot of, uh, you know, good experiences in their life and have, you know, a stable, steady life worth living, that person is gay. Because like back in the day, um, and this is probably true in a lot of places anyway, I just interviewed somebody from Malaysia uh, a couple of days ago who um, they're still having, they still have like one dance party that they move and they don't give the address out until the day of. 
because it's a Muslim country and so it's illegal to be gay there and you can actually get like jailed or stoned yeah. to death. Yeah. yeah. And so and so they um their name is Juliana Hung and they're also a comic. Um and they they do comedy. They're out. They're, they they do comedy. They do comedy as a non-binary autistic person and but it's very dangerous for them to do that, you know. And so there's still places in the world where that is true, you know. Um but when you so when you see somebody that's like universally known like Jodie Foster and you can say that person is gay, yeah. it helps with the people that are still like back in the 1800s on it and they're absolutely. like absolutely not oh wait but i like jody foster so how do i reconcile absolutely being gay with it you know i absolutely agree 100 percent. but i'm talking about the judgy oh yeah my, my judgy attitude and other people who who we judge them and yeah. we don't know their life just because they're celebrities and yeah. if we're looking to a celebrity to, to tell us how to live our life that's kind of sad but you but i do agree that when you have that platform, you and I have that platform to a lesser degree, but we have it, Belinda. We have what we say impacts people, how we mm -hmm. act impacts a person, what we joke about impacts and it has an impact on a person, negative and positively. I've had a lot of people, you know, when I sing my songs or when I say like, you know, some words of encouragement or whatever, it does impact a person. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, you, you do have a responsibility when you're behind the mic, but you're not a role, the, that person's role model either. So it's kind of a, I mean, you shouldn't be, you're the role model, but you shouldn't be that person's um, do all and be all and end all. You know what I mean? Like, that's why. Yeah, right. Jody's out, so now I'm out. Does anyone know who even Jodie Foster is now? Because she's amazing. That's oh, another person that like Jodie Foster. I'm like, Jodie Foster. Somebody <laughs> know who Stevie Nicks was. I was like, Stevie Nicks. They're like, oh yeah, the one with the curly blonde hair. I'm like, what? <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, is that this is what I've noticed about the um, the younger people, which really makes me feel like I'm 75 years old, is uh, is that a lot of them only pay attention to what's on the internet. And so like when we were kids, like I had to listen to my mom's music. I had to listen to my uh my mom's best friend who was like 15 years older than her um their music so i got to learn big band and elvis and uh, like all the way up and then my brothers were like 20 years older than me and so they all listened to like leonard skinnerd and and uh, uh led zeppelin and stuff so i learned like all of the the decades of music and of course i'm obsessed with music too and so and so you know so i i have a large breadth of knowledge on different decades of music and a lot of uh a lot of the kids they don't they only pay attention to what's on the internet so now that's why i love stranger things because they keep sneaking in like kate yeah. and like whatever and that's great because i love seeing that you know that song if i only could i make a deal with god okay that was my kate bush was my girl like oh yeah boston, yeah, yeah. Right boston in new york so amazing it reminds me of the city nightclub which was my first wife my, my first gay bar and uh it was an underage club that uh was for queer kids and it was just like a disco like we had like a light up dance floor and the whole thing and so there was a light up dance floor that played like top 40s like hits and then there was an upstairs bar and that was called the other side and the other side was all gothic music and so it was a lot of kate bush it was a lot of that song mixed yes. in with like EDM music, like a lot of like EDM, what EDM? Like Lena Lovitch. Remember yeah. Lena Lovitch? Yeah. Am I saying it right? Lena Lovitch? What, what is it? Lena Lovitch. Yes, Lena Lovitch. Lena Lovitch. Yeah. 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 So it was a lot of that kind of music. I loved, we, we had so MTV when it first came out, I had my band. 
Uh-huh. And it played all kinds of music. We were exposed to like U2, of course, Fleetwood Mac, uh, the Motels, Berlin, all in one hour. So it was all, you know, uh, what's that other? I eat cannibal, feed on animal. Remember, your love is so edible to me. <laughs> um, anyway, Adam Ant, all these people in one yep block and then it started being all the metal block the this block the punk block but i we had all this just music it wasn't yeah um, so like this station plays this this station plays that this it was all and so for us we just loved it all and going to the music store was such an amazing thing to buy like the cassette or the single you know (laughs) or the album or the album i was all about the cassette the cassettes and then when I would travel back to see my parents from New York, you know, like for Christmas or whatever, the struggle is real. I would travel with a Walkman. I might have it still here somewhere. I was going to show it to you. A Walkman and like a big suitcase with all the cassettes. Mine was like double-sided. <laughs> so I would like open the attache case, take my cassette out, put it in my Walkman. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was, that was my carry-on. All these oh, cassettes. I remember, I remember the cassette attache. Yes, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but if you had a double-sided one, you were like, Oh shit, she's special. Oh yeah, is she a DJ? What's happening? (laughs) And then when the CD came out, I was in New York. I remember my friend Gibbs is all like, yeah, but it still skips when you walk. It skips because you're used to walking with a Walkman and she's like, these things skip because they do. Yeah, you have to walk with a CD like this because if you oh, walk, I remember that you had to walk with it all steady because otherwise if you it would walk, skip. I forgot all about that. It would skip. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, I remember yeah. a friend of mine going, "I'm not buying any more uh, music until they stop making new things." Because he had all these cassettes, he was very proud of, and then he got all these CDs, and then they 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 moved to a smaller CD. Remember that small CD that didn't really stay? Oh yeah, yeah. It was like a beta. Uh, it was like VHS, a tiny one. But it he was, was like, like a mini CD. Yeah. I'm not buying anymore spending my money because things become obsolete and now now it's just like oh here's my QR code or whatever now it's like oh yeah I remember when um when camcorders this I, I think about this almost every time I film anything um I remember when camcorders were like fifteen hundred dollars oh my you god yes like, you had to be practically rich to be able to record anything because you had to go buy the camcorder you had to be able to afford the the VHS cassette to put into the camcorder and they were like twenty dollars, like four of them. But and Belinda, so- this was only in the two thousand early two thousands, because I remember moving from Boston, and and when I had a party, a going away party, when I moved here, everybody brought like a couple of dollars because I was raising money for a camera so that I could film my cross country trip. And it was it was the cassette shaped ones that were very expensive. Then then the cameras became smaller with the tiny ones, but yeah, and it was quite a bit of money. I think it was like $900, yeah. $1,000. And that's yeah. a lot of money okay. back in the early 2000s. But I did, I had a camera and I have all my cross country trip. I still have some VHSs there too. My God, I can't. <laughs> I don't have any VHSs anymore. I don't have anything at all. Um, I hardly own books anymore because it's just all on my, it's all on my device. I mean, I own books. Yeah, like, I, I'm sitting I at a bookshelf right I, now. I, I, but know. in comparison to like, I used to have like a, like a wall of books, like where it was just like an entire, you know, an entire wall of like four books. You have a Kindle? Is that what you have? Now I have like a little tiny bookshelf where I have like my favorite books that I constantly refer to, but I'll go to the library and get a book and just be like, okay. Right. You know? Yeah. So anyway, but yeah, um, uh, this has been delightful. 
I'm really enjoying myself. But just what time we got right now? We can talk. You know, you and I can talk forever. We can talk forever. That's true. But I have to go. Um, I've got a, a another. I'm doing a political canvassing job right now, and uh, it's fine. Um, but I'm doing a political <laughs> canvassing job. It's it's good because it's three to eight, so it's like it's like part time, and it's like in the middle of the afternoon, so I can get my stuff done before I go do the job. But it's nice. I get to be involved in LA politics, and you know, find well, out about stuff here. Now we must hang out. Oh no, we need to. Yeah, for sure. Especially now. I'm that- here. I am here um, through December. My so my show is off Broadway again at the yeah. Soho Playhouse, a Latina Christmas special, but it's also here at A Noise Within in Pasadena. Oh. And it's on the 13th and 14th, and I think on the 20th. But uh, more on the, yes, it's on latinachristmasspecial.com. Oh, great, I'll, I'll look it up. Will be there, but, oh yeah, I, it's, it's such a great show, I have to say, because we yeah. were- No, 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 that's exciting. Um, I remember when you first came out with the show and then you got some buzz and then you went to Off-Broadway the first time. And I was like, what is even happening? Oh my God, it was Amazing. so magical. It was so amazing doing uh, the show for New York audiences. It was so great. I bet. And I'm so excited that you get to go back because when the pandemic happened, um, of course, we all went nuts. And then we were just like, I- I'm hoping that um, at some point in the next couple of years, I'll be able to do another festival because like the the festival, like you have to be able to be in enclosed spaces, you know, for a long time and not be stressed about it because that just kills comedy entirely so well I was uh, super stressed about like the people laughing at you and laughing COVID at me I mean (laughs) you want the audience to laugh dude you want them to laugh and most comedy clubs aren't that big they're smaller but I'm going you fill up the comedy club I'm making jokes they're laughing 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 at me it's just why wouldn't the COVID come at me I was like uh kind of scared no I'm not anymore not so much. I mean, I'm well, still cautious, but I'm not scared. Yeah, what? no, I worked in a COVID shelter for two That's years. True. Yeah. And so, uh, so when I did that, like I became not afraid of COVID because I know, I know what the underlying, I mean, for some people it's very scary and still very scary and I'm not discounting that whatsoever. Um, but I know what the underlying conditions are and I know um, who is most affected by COVID. So I'm kind of like, I know, I, am or I'm not, I, mean, I, I know that it. for some people, it's still very serious. Like if you're a cancer patient or you're- yeah, um, but I, don't I don't want to be, I don't want to feel a cold. I don't want to feel a headache. I don't want to feel anything. I don't want it. Yeah. I don't want anything. I don't want to feel like shit. You know me, dude. I'm just like, I cannot handle pain. <laughs> I cannot handle like being like, oh, a cold or a head. I can't, I don't want it. I know, I was going to, um, I, I was gonna um, have you come into my house and then hand you wet wipes so you could wipe everything down. Oh yeah, okay, make all the fun you want. But I was already wiping shit down before COVID, remember? Oh no, I do remember. I was we already wiping to, everything. The first time I toured with Sandra it was uh, the Midwest and we did, um, we did- uh, uh, The what? Les Barados. No, no, we did Les Barados, but we did uh, Iowa and we did, mm. where did we do? We did Iowa, Minneapolis, Minnesota and- know. And that Madison, Wisconsin, I think. And so anyway, but yeah, but anyway, but we got into the hotel room and then here's Sandra with uh, the remote control, wiping it down and like no words, like no explanation whatsoever. You have to. In, ripped the sheets off the bed, wiped down the remote control, checked the bed for bed bugs, which 
let me tell you that like the next, I think it was like the next year, maybe I did a show in um, San Francisco for Eden. Do you remember that? Yeah, Eden. Yeah, you remember that? Okay, yeah. so we did this show for Eden. We were on that show together too, but it was for Pride. And um, yeah. and then they put us up in that nice hotel, remember? The whatever, and I'm not gonna tell you who booked me because I don't want to spread, you know, stuff. But this had nothing to do with them necessarily. But anyway, I got home and I had bed bugs. No. Yes, because I did not, I did not check the bed. And well, I was in the I, same hotel and I didn't get bed bugs. I don't know, but I was bit all the way. It was awful. It was awful. And the thing is, is that I went in for, um, a couple of auditions that week too. And like, I had like all these bed bug bites. You didn't say, did, you see, didn't you learn anything from me, Belinda? No, I learned no. then. I was like, oh no, you're right. No, I, I don't <laughs> care how. Well, that was a very nice hotel though. That was a really nice. Yeah, that's why I was surprised about it. I was it like, doesn't this... matter though, dude. It doesn't matter. It's like, it like, like COVID's gonna like go, oh, we're not gonna, we're not going to infect that person because... Oh, that's a five-star hotel. We're not going to bother with that one. Oh, that's a... Yeah, bed bugs don't... No, dude, anybody can bring them in. You could sit in a movie theater. You could sit anywhere and pick them up. Can I just tell you, sidebar, and I haven't said this publicly before, but this is also weird. Years ago, I got lice. What? Lice. Like, I had one louse. That's the single of lice. Sure. I... I was sick a whole week. I didn't do anything. I went out one time to a play that nobody went to. There were three people there and my friends who were the actors. I hugged my friend who is bald. Good show. Two days pass. I have an acting class where I'm in the audience. Now you're scratching. And uh-huh. I had a scene with this girl that I played her mom and I'm, I'm comforting her and our heads, you know, I'm reading the script and whatever. Come back that night. I'm reading a book and I go, you know, I go like this cause it's in my glasses, whatever. And I go, and it's just one big louse. Okay, the entire week, I only got one. But the person that I went to, this is a whole to do. It's a whole other podcast because it was ridiculous. I had to was watch. Was it a Jurassic Park size louse? Is that what I'm hearing? They're super light. <laughs> also, she said, "No, you probably would. You probably got it in acting class because she only laid two eggs." I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna throw. I had to spend hundreds of dollars and go to two different lice specialists. Disgusting. And then I had to wash for two weeks everything that I own, like my pajamas, the comforter, the pillows. Every freaking day I had to wash it. Yeah, um, that's what I had to do with, with the bed bugs thing. Okay, so no more lice. No, I just had that one. I didn't oh. get I didn't get lice at all. But I was like, from where? She goes, I think it's because you hugged that girl. I said, she goes, or the seat, because I have long hair. You know, she goes, or the seat that you were sitting on probably some person left something there and you picked it up on your hair. I mean, yeah. But I didn't go anywhere. I didn't know. I was like, what the fuck? She goes, no, you know, movie theaters. I am that. Can I say bitch? I'm that. I'm that woman person. <laughs> you already did. You're also I am that, I am that person who, who goes to a movie theater the next time around and put a trash bag over the fucking movie. I'm sorry. Over the theater seat. You can get it in a movie theater, dude. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. But you know what they hate? Peppermint. If you spray like peppermint, they yeah, don't spray it. and stuff. Or yeah, not, they now like mint oil. Yeah, so now I went to the movie theater with a trash bag smelling like a spa. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I, I'm going to enjoy this movie. I don't give a damn if it crinkles every time I move. <laughs> because no, dude, no, I am not. I was so afraid and so grossed out. You know, I, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have the you have the the, the bug uh, germophobia. Oh uh, no, yeah. disgusting! I'm like you. What? Yeah, 
That's, <laughs> so like the, that's like the tiniest. The, the story is intricate, but I know. <laughs> what? It's disgusting. I had strep throat for a week, so I didn't do anything. Finally go out, finally go to acting class. Then I have that louse. Oh. No. <laughs> I'm going to have to bleep this show in a couple spots. Um, so uh, Sorry. thank you, Sandra Valls, for being on the show. Uh, thank you to 107.1 and xray.fm for letting me do this. Uh, I'm so excited. If you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and you do not get the dance party, um, then go to my Patreon and there'll be the songs from the show. And then uh, there'll be another list that's longer that is the longer dance party. We'll be doing all sh songs from 1990. Um, early 1990 if you want to watch this uh visually uh that is also on my patreon and it will have closed captioning so if you are in need of that then do that and join my patreon so i can continue to bring this show and other great things to you because i need money um so <laughs> go to patreon uh, la is very expensive uh it go is. to patreon go to uh buy me a coffee buy me a coffee join patreon and we will see you next week on My First Gay Bar. Yay! Bye! Bye, everyone. Yay! And that was My First Gay Bar. You made it to the end. Congratulations. If you go over to my Patreon, you'll find the 1990 dance party that Sandra put together. And also uh, other extras from this episode, as well as other episodes like Juliana Hang, Bolivia Carmichael's, uh, Leslie Kimiko Ward. Tune in every Monday for new episodes and let us know what you want to hear. Uh, check me out on Belinda Comedy or uh, myfirstgaybar.com and give me some feedback if you feel like you want to. I've been Belinda Carroll. You've been great. Thank you so much for being here and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.